Welcome to the Stanford Podcast. We're back. Episode two of the Stanford Podcast, as ever, joined by Molly and Lucy. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Single head response. Uh, and we have our first guest, Kerry Cooper. Thank you very much for joining us. Hello. <laughs> Uh, how's your week been? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, so far, so good. It's still early in the week, Tuesday, so... Because um, Wednesday, Thursday tend to be our busy days. You sound know. really... When do you go to print, then? Thursday afternoon, mm. so, yeah. yeah. So I guess a few people might know your name, but having now given that away, <laughs> we've, we've given it a name. Who is this person? They're going to print on what? Um, so they might, I guess, either... Not your, know your name at all, or think, oh, I do recognise that name. Um, but actually, having said that, this will say it in the episode of the title. Um, yeah. We've kind of given it away. Maybe um, you should tell us who you are, where you come from. Uh, well, I'm the editor of the Rutland and Stanford Mercury newspaper, and it's funny you should say that, because probably a lot of people do know my name, but the number of people that come up to me in the supermarket because they recognise my face from the little centimetre picture that goes above my column every week is quite embarrassing. So if you see me in the supermarket, guys, and I don't talk to you, it's because I just want to do my shopping and go home. <laughs> I've not spotted that. Oh no, the supermarket chat. Mm, yeah. Can't be doing without. Have you had any? Have you guys had anything since our uh, front page headline news? What, like people asking for selfies? Well, no. <laughs> There's a line. We've had DMs. Yeah, I've had no, got... more, no more DMs this week or last week, but you never know. Just DMs sound like a dodgy message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, very, very direct. Very, 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 very direct. Have you had any? Oh, no, still nothing. Last time. Still <laughs> I've taken the hint, I've given up. Given up. <laughs> so, weeks? Been good? Good week? Uh, well, last yeah, two weeks, really. Pretty... Oh, yeah, two weeks. Oh. Just yesterday. Um, yeah, I'm a bit. I've gone a bit off focus this week because I've just I've just come back from London and it was all a bit of a big oh, weekend. The big, so the big city. Oh yeah, the big smoke. Um, which is good, but yeah, you know it takes you till sort of midweek to get over that one. <laughs> but, Desk, yeah, desk update. Are we progressed with our levels of organisation? Um, it is continuing. Yeah, the desk is definitely being used. I'm doing this um, personal development. <laughs> course at the moment which means going to London every Wednesday as well um, and it's because of that I've decided to become more organized yeah you have to have, have to do homework every week and kind of practice what we talk about during the sessions and it's actually quite difficult to understand without it sound it without people kind of going oh god that sounds a bit dodgy to me well I'm now going to ask you what is it in terms <laughs> of no definitely that. um well it's many things but um I thought it might be interesting to just take a little highlight out of it every now and then so that uh, it can, you know, we can spread some love into the world. Um, so homework this week is to, for example, this is just a slither of what we do, but for example, it's about um, making a list of promises that you haven't kept, um, which I'm sure we're all guilty of. And actually, if you start thinking about it and writing things down, um, and then you imagine kind of then making, whenever you make a promise to someone, say it because you mean it kind of thing. And then if you can't honour it, then you honour your word by explaining to that person that you can't do it. Am I making any sense? A little. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, you are. But so when you say... Go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll meet up next weekend. 
go, why don't we meet Saturday and follow up on Friday and make sure there's steam coming and all oh. of that kind of thing, rather than just sort of throwing out a comment that you don't really have any intention. It doesn't have any meaning or depth or gravity. So it's a bit it's more of a commitment as well, rather than a promise makes yeah, it very strong, it, 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 doesn't it? How many promises do you fail upon? Yeah. You make, but, so okay. make, when you make a promise, then, then mean it, and if you can't honour it, then tell that person well in advance or as soon as you know that you can't do it. Another one is like making, you know, apologising to someone that you have failed to apologise to. And if you imagine actually doing those things and kind of completing it, then, you know, that's a, surely a good feeling rather than just... And these can be tiny things or they can be big things as well. So, you know, maybe like some awful relationship that's gone awry in the past and if you kind of put it to bed and complete it, then you're going to feel more at ease and... I don't know. <laughs> right. well, then there's a lot of like, I don't know. 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 I do Personal development. It is, but it's kind of, you know, you, you see people sort of address things in their life that they've obviously kind of let go, and you see them actually just kind of transform and become these, you know, they, they, you can address any sort of area of your life that you want to, but you end up really addressing all elements of your life and kind of being a different way, essentially. Mm -hmm. Stop yeah. you from being late and stuff like that, it's amazing. How's that going? Like a tree. How's your week? My week is not as exciting as what everything you just want to say. Um, it's okay, we're gonna edit that bit out. <laughs> I've just had just a week of, or well, a few weeks I guess, of just kind of potting around town, not much really going on. Um, I can update you on all, uh, all on the fact I've not picked up my ukulele yet. So. <laughs> I'm expecting a full rendition at some point. Uh, did anyone watch the BAFTAs? Yes. No. I, I did watch the BAFTAs, yeah. I normally go to the BAFTAs in a bit of a weird capacity. Yes. <laughs> I know. I, know. I usually go with a friend of mine who I went to see this weekend. Uh, and we do this thing called seat filling. So, um, when they when they're filming it, they don't. When people go and get awards or present awards or whatever, they don't like having lots of gaps in the audience. So they get people to just go and sit in people's seats until they come back. Well, they're famous people. Yeah, it's all the famous people oh because they're God. the ones on the edge of the aisle because they're the ones that are nominated. So they're the ones that oh. go up onto stage. That sounds so, both equally exciting and exhausting because it's, it's, it's not just of... running around trying to sit in people's seats when they're not there. Yeah, pretty much. It's all quite organised and stuff, but it is a bit, it is a bit crazy. Yeah, I've, I did go up to Leonardo DiCaprio a couple of years ago and speak to him. <laughs> I literally, I don't think I'd be able to cope with the back, being at the BAFTAs or something like that. If yeah. I was like, hired to do that, I wouldn't be okay. Like, it's like, it's, it's people were there night. Like, I wouldn't have been okay. Just, oh yeah, no, he was there last year. Yeah, it was I was like, would not have done with that situation. Wow, I would, would not have Go been. to sit on the seat yeah. next to him and just give him a cuddle. I would have just been like... <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, I'm sorry. So, 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 so,
sorry, it was the chair next to you, not your knee I meant to sit on. Yeah, you're not allowed to be weird, because yeah. you wouldn't be invited back the following year. <laughs> but it is kind of crazy. Very cool. That's very cool. To start with, you just kind of, you're kind of a bit overwhelmed, and then you just kind of go, well, actually, they're just people. You know, they are really famous, amazing, talented people. They're all really short. I'm so glad that Brad wasn't there on Sunday. I just would have gone, why didn't I go? Why didn't I go? How did you get involved in that? My very good friend used to work for the production company that does the whole thing, that puts on the whole thing. So we, she's still in touch with the people there, and uh, so we still get to do it. It's great. Who's the most famous person you've had on the front cover of the Mercury? Me. Apart from us. Obviously. Yeah, it's obviously you guys. Um, Outdone in that edition of the paper well, by someone else. Had the Queen on the cover, I suppose she's pretty famous. What, because she was here? Yeah, she was here oh, early right. a few years ago. I remember that when she came to town. We yeah. used to stand outside the school. 2012, I think it would have been. Um, okay. But you're yeah. not allowed to speak to the royals. Although, when I first started at the Mercury, one of my first jobs was um, to go and cover a visit by Prince Charles. And I did speak to him and got very told off by the press officers. What, not allowed to speak unless spoken to? No, not allowed to speak at all. So because he you're spoke, the press? Yeah, oh. um, but he spoke to me, and if he's going to speak to me, I'm going to reply to him, because otherwise <laughs> it's just rude. Just um, So, yeah, I got, got a bit of a telling off by the press office. Oh, dear. What uh, were you talking to him about? He just... Um, was he pulling a point in the... No, um, it was, no, it was in Stanford Town Hall, and um, you're not allowed to be in entrances or exits at the same time as the Royals. So I'd gone into the Town Hall, even though another member of the Mercury team was there. He was um, coming out at the same time as I was, basically. And he said, oh, what are you doing hiding there? Because I tried not to be seen by him, so I didn't get told <laughs> off. And I just said, oh... I'm just, I'm just leaving basically, and then I asked him how his visit was. It's very short and brief, but mm. okay, yeah. but enough to ruffle some feathers. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I think we've been outdone though by the, the Queen, to be fair. The most yeah. friendly, yeah, I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And we've had Kate on the cover as well. She was so at um, RF Wittering. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah they kind of beat us, don't they? Yeah, they. Yeah, they, 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 they were were um, but what were your thoughts on the BAFTAs? Um. Well, it was all, I think it was quite ironic that Joachim Phoenix made a, you know... His Who? Was, Phoenix? Joachim. Joachim. Yeah, we'll go no, I can't say the same either, Joaquin or something. No, it's not. It's definitely not it. It's like... Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin. Joaquin. Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. He definitely doesn't listen to this. He'll be Yeah, I think we're safe on that one. Well, he said, you know, he got his award and he was pleased, but he was conflicted because of, you know, the lack of diversity, other diversity and all the nominations. And then um, Prince, what's his name? Uh, what William. Yeah. <laughs> then made his speech yeah, very much touched on that. So um, there was a little bit of an irony in that, though. I think, you know, it's not very diverse. Says a well-spoken white. British royal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, um, should we get Megan to say <laughs> that? Well, she did. Uh, even, even the royal family's diversifying now, you know. I just thought it was a bit dull. Oh, no, it was. I don't think it was very oh, funny. And I love Graham Norton. I love but I him. Think he, I think he does a great job, but I think it's a thankless task. I bet he was going there to. Rebel Wilson came on, and yeah, she was she quite was funny. Oh, her speech was great. Yeah, but there's a picture yeah. going around of Margot Robbie picking her fingernails at the same time. I mean, what, how much more <laughs> could they just... 
every time the camera panned, there'd be someone laughing and then the rows behind them just sat there staring. I know, but it's really boring. I mean, it's exciting for me because I'm sat next to someone really famous going, wanting to touch them, and it's quite exciting. But if I was... That's why they look scared, because the person next to them is a nobody yeah, there. The hand is creepy. Me at the cinema, I could reach around the back. <laughs> but I was gutted because, I mean, I wanted to be in the same room as um, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, but if Robert De Niro presented an award and his seat was empty behind, I was thinking, I could be behind Al Pacino. But if I was Al Pacino, I'd be sitting there going, oh my God, this is so boring. Yeah, to be there many, all night and, and then not win. And how many they going to? Like, but they don't have to season. go and don't go. They sure. don't get decent goodie bags at the BAFTAs either. It's not like the Oscars or the Golden Globes where everyone's around tables drinking. There, they get a bottle of Evian. I'm not joking. Like, um, and they're like cinema seats mm. at the Royal Albert Hall and the Royal Opera House. Just a bottle of Evian. <laughs> That's it. That's all they get. That's but if they go and present an award, sorry, if they go and present an award, they go off about three or four awards before, yeah. and then come back three or four awards later. So you know when you're sat in their seat, you're like, right, I've got a few awards now, and they just stay as long as they can out the back so that they can drink champagne. Because it's so boring. That's what I was going to say. They need to liven it up with some alcohol. That yeah. probably make Graham Norton funnier as well because he's good at the Eurovision once he's had a yeah. huge drink, isn't he? But they're just so creative, these people. I can't... Yeah, but it's, it's not, just it's so not an opportunity to showcase your creativity, is it? It's just so they've got to do something. Until they change it, and they make it like the Brits on the round tables, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that's why that's much just... more lively. They had a bit more entertainment this time, though. Normally, some other years, they haven't even had any performers. So, yeah, it's, it's long and boring. And if I was an A-list superstar, I'd actually not go. And it's, but the BAFTAs is quite a lot shorter than the Oscars. The Oscars is like six or seven hours. Why would you want to do <laughs> They must have loads of seat fillers there. Well, there must the, be no one in there. This is the end of the award ceremony season mm. as well, isn't it? So it's probably it's it's, it's like the yeah. last one. Just drag the it out. next Sunday, isn't it? Oh, so get towards yeah, the end. Yeah. So, enough about our week. So what <laughs> does the editor of A Stamp of Mercury do? What does a week entail? God. Hiring and firing. <laughs> no, not hiring and firing. Hi team. Start with the most difficult question, why don't you? Um, I suppose the reason that I love my job is because no two weeks look the same. Mm -hmm. Every day you go in kind of having a bit of an idea of what your day is going to look like, but then something might happen that completely changes your day. And for some people that probably sounds terrifying, but for journalists that is the most exciting part of the job knowing that any minute something could happen that would just change the course of the day. Yeah. And was being a journalist something you always wanted to do? Um, I remember going in to see a careers advisor at school and going, these are the subjects I'm good at, what should I do? And it just spat out journalism, so I just oh, tenaciously right followed that path. <laughs> I was told I should be a flower arranger or something. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's a weird job. <laughs> it's very niche. Yeah. What was? What, I'm intrigued by what I you told him you were good at. Aptitude test that you know, and they churn out all these results. Mm -hmm. One of them was a flower arranger. Weird. Just draw a nice picture so of creative or something. Yeah, no, I don't think I, I don't know what I did. I can't remember what else they came up with, but I'm not doing any of the things that they suggested. I'm sure it probably just said journalism because I was good at English, which is ironic really because I then went to university to do a journalism degree and they went, forget everything you've learnt in English, you now need to write completely differently because 
obviously when you're at school you're doing all these long-winded essays when you're in journalism it's all short and simple sentences that are um, very easy for people to understand. So are you local? No, no, definitely not local. Um, I am from Mansfield in Nottinghamshire originally. Um, so I went to university in Sheffield and then I got my first job in journalism at the Stamford Mercury um, as a trainee and I am now still there. 13 years later, You're, um, as the editor, <laughs> which I don't really know how that happened, but yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, the um, the new bits you do on Instagram where you meet the team has been really helpful, so I don't know, <laughs> 13 years. Maybe you just love Stanford. Yeah, I mean, I think it's such a nice town. Um, I didn't really have a long-term plan. I don't really believe in five or ten year plans or anything like that. Um, when I turned 30 a few years ago, I really freaked out that none of the things that I had planned for, for, for when I reached 30 had actually come to fruition. And it made me sort of take a step back and go, well, look at what you actually have achieved during that time instead of freaking out about what I've not. So I just kind of take each opportunity as it comes. And if I'd left the Stanford Mercury, I possibly wouldn't be in the position that I am now. Mm. And it's a great time to working as well. I mean, so you joked about, well, kind of joking, hopefully, people coming to you up in the, up to you in the yeah, shop or whatever. But yeah, people it's nice that, that you get that. Um, people really care about the Stanford Mercury. I mean, they take us to task rightly when we get things wrong. They praise us when we get things right. And they really, really care about Stanford. And the Stanford Mercury, although it is a business, um, mm -hmm. we care about the community equally. So hopefully that comes across in every copy of the paper. And if I've got this right, it's Britain's oldest continuously published newspaper title. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Well, and what that actually means is, if you come down to our offices by prior appointment, we actually have an archive trust who look after the entire archive of the Mercury. So um, it was established in 1712 and we have papers going back to then in our office. So it's pretty scary. Um, but also quite a big honour, really. Yeah, you guys are going to be in there forever now. Sound in a hundred years. Yeah. So, but what brought? Was it just the job that was yeah. there at the time when you finished university? Yeah. So when I finished university, I just applied for every trainee journalism going, and I remember coming for my interview in Stamford, ringing my mum up afterwards and going, "Yeah, Stamford's a beautiful town, but I am never going to work here." I, that interview definitely didn't go well. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, got a call saying, do I want to come and join Mercury, so... And here I am. Do you remember what, have you looked at the old copies? Do you know what was on the front cover of the first one? Oh, I don't know. Um, I it like a horse and cart or something? I mean, how yeah, was that? I mean, we cover um, Mercury <laughs> memories. We cover Mercury memories every week in the paper, and that goes back as far as 200 years, and there's some really wow. strange stories, like... <laughs> Guys who've decided to sell their wife and <laughs> and stuff like that, and you do get a lot of horse and cars. That's brilliant. Um, but it. <laughs> Not do you know just that wasn't chickens. But that wasn't two hundred years ago. That was twenty ten. That was the memory <laughs> from there. Yeah. Um, but when it was first launched, it wasn't just Stamford. I mean, it had Stamford Mercury as part of the title. Um, and that all adds to the history of it. But it was um international and. You know national news as well so things like the coronation of the queen and 
things like that more recently would have been covered by the mercury. It's only, you know, in very recent times that it's just been limited to the area it currently covers, okay. which is, um, we've got three editions of the paper, so we've got Stanford edition, which covers Stanford and the Deepins, a Bourne edition and a Rutland edition today, but um, that's only quite a relatively recent thing. How much do they differ? Not as much as I'd like them to differ. Um, something that we're aiming to to grow. Um, in 2017, we were taken over by iLive Media, which is an independently family-owned company. Um, and at that point, our resource in terms of the staffing that we had available was extremely small. Um, it's grown. There's now an editorial team of seven, which includes me. Seven people to do three editions of the Mercury, plus two other newspapers is not really that much in terms of where it was when I first started at the Mercury. Um, so to put that into perspective, when I first started, we just had the three editions of the Mercury, not the other two titles, and we have 15 staff members. So we've half the staff, but trebled what we're doing. And that's just from a print point of view. Obviously, there's been huge advances in digital as well during that time. Yeah. And that now forms a massive, massive part of what we're doing on a daily basis as well. So. So yeah, um, I'd like to grow the additions more to have more content in from various areas because we do get lots of people saying too much Stanford stuff, too much mm -hmm. Rutland stuff, and you can't please everybody. But and you're trying to. I actually did my work experience uh, when I was just called a Match Magazine um, for in the part of Bauer Group. Um, Is that a dating no, magazine? Is that a football magazine? <laughs> 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 At the, age of, at the age of 16, <laughs> uh, no, it's a football magazine. It's a very, very football I magazine. I only think I've got a lot of brothers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, oh, I loved it. I mean, on my second week, I went to interview Jamie Carrigan, Pete Crash. Loved it. That was what I wanted to do. And then was told I had to go to university. And I didn't want to go to university, so I just... Um, it was a couple of ideas. But it was all about the timings, mm. like a week... That was released every week as well. Getting something out yeah. new, a hundred pages or whatever it is for the paper, is really hard. And you got just—it's not. It might be released on a Friday, but you're going to publishing on a Wednesday. No, we go to print on a Thursday afternoon. Okay. Um, but we very much work towards as though we were printing on a Wednesday night because we have four covers to des design on a Thursday. I very rarely design the cover on a Wednesday because that's just asking for something to happen on Wednesday night that changes everything. Um, so, and we have the entire paper to then to print that day and we proofread all of the pages obviously before they go as well. So, so yeah, the deadlines and stuff. So, so whilst you've got a week actually, because you're trying to make it as current as possible, actually, yeah. even a lot of it till Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, and I guess with the website, there's no such thing as a deadline really anymore because the website, you know, isn't saying I'm going to publish at whatever time. If we know about something, we want to publish it now, yep. not wait until a deadline as such. So what happens if there's like no news? I know there's never no news, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like if there's really, if you're really, you have like grasping at straws for stuff to put in there? Yeah, we end up on the front cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when there's actual no like real, real news, what do you guys like? What happens? Well, <laughs> or is that you know, <laughs> there is always news. Yeah, I mean, I've got an excellent team um, of reporters. We have a news meeting um, each week on a Tuesday to decide 
what position we're in. So have we got a lot of stories and are we going to have too many to get them all in? Have we got too few stories? Have we got any idea of what our splashes are going to be at that point in the week? Um, and if we've got too few, then the reporters go out and find some more news. And there's always stuff to be had. Um, I'm sure every week there's more that we could be doing if we had more resource, if we had more time. But there's always news. <laughs> 10 o'clock news and BBC just silence. Yeah. Nothing to report. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a bit about the um, digital side of it and yeah. how it compares to the physical paper? Yeah, I mean, it's growing massively. Um, the audience, in terms of our website, is huge, a lot more than people would expect for a tiny little town like Stamford. Um, and it's just a growing pressure, really. But it's exciting because you can get stuff out there a lot quicker. Um, I guess in this day and age, it's still quite an exciting thing for a journalist to be able to break some news because I guess with Twitter and social media, someone, even if they're not a journalist, might have mm. beat us to it. We do rely on people to tell us stuff as well. But yeah, the website is just such a big part of what we do now. Um, and the website is the fastest um, growing website um, in our company and our company owns more than 30 newspapers. So. And is that people in, can you see the demographic in terms of that Stamford yeah, or is that further? Yeah, it's, you know, mainly Stamford, um, you know, a lot of people are looking at, at it. But then our audience figures for last year, I mean, we got more than a million people look at the Stamford Mercury over the course of 2019, um, looking at more than five million stories. So it's obviously not just Stamford, which has mm -hmm. um, that reach, but it's people know globally you guys might have shared the story about yourselves on the front page if you haven't please do <laughs> and, then, and then you know your relative in spain might have clicked on it so okay and then it takes it <laughs> yeah it's a horrible thought yeah um we do get probably not surprisingly quite a lot of american readers who might be looking for a different stanford but looking at it but uh, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. it the audience is absolutely massive online it's just never ending really and you, is that where the focus is for you guys because for those that aren't in the industry you've not got to look far to see or hear or read things around newspapers magazines books sales compared to five ten mm. years ago are dropping massively so for you, is, in terms of future plans is it to obviously continue with the paper but really focus on the um, website and the social type. No, I, I mean, iLift Media is very much committed to both the print and digital side of things. Um, if from business point of view, um, the print product, so our weekly newspaper, is still very much part of the business plans because that's our, our income, you know, mm. generating our income at the moment. Um, and we're obviously massively proud of our history. You're right, um, from a industry point of view newspaper sales are in decline um lots of people have tried different ways to try and reverse that decline and it's not happening the mercury is kind of booking the trend because it's not declining as as steeply mm -hmm. as some other newspapers but the website is growing in terms of audience it's just how do we look to monetize that yeah. and i think that's a question that you know nationally and internationally people are trying to find ways to make money off the website. I think you see more and more certainly with national newspapers that are doing either 
subscriptions or um, voluntary. For like, you, know, you, you can read them, but we'd like it if you gave us something for for reading it. Or the, the Athletic is a new um, paper that's just started at Sport, and they've gone and um, picked some of the biggest and most prominent sporting journalists in the yeah. country and taken them there. Um, but yeah, that's a subscription service. We are actually trialling a paywall system on some of our stories on the Stanford Mercury website at the moment. Um, it's been going now for about six months, I think it is. We launched it before Christmas. Um, and it's for stories which we put a lot of resource in and we deem to be exclusive to us. Um, so we ask for a small contribution towards those stories. Um, and I think we've been pleased with the results of that so far. Um, I don't, I don't know whether it's going to change the world, but it is about changing people's mindsets because I think when you've been used to going onto the Stanford Mercury website or whatever website it might be and getting all of your news there for free, it's, it's about changing the attitudes towards that really. Yeah, I think it's actually mindset. You, you... You recognise you can't go and pick up the paper for free, you have to pay for that, and you're going to read exactly the same thing as online, you're just used to getting it. Well, that might not be the case. I mean, you know, we might treat, we try to treat things differently online than in print, so you might get more or less online, depending on, you know, editorial decisions that we take in the office every, every day. So, we ask everyone, or we're going to ask everyone, the same three questions. Um, what does Stamford mean to you? Um, I guess for me, Stamford is really all about community. There are so many community groups in Stamford just trying to make a difference. I mean, we're sitting in the building of just one of them, which is Stamford Mindspace. But every week we just hear about more and more groups just trying to make a difference in Stamford. And that is, to me, what makes me feel really positive about, you know, still working in this area after all this time, really. And you must feel even more than that than... Kind of most of us we're aware of some of it, but you must yeah. read this. People yeah. come over, come into you, or just being made aware of different things. That yeah, one of the um, big things for I Live Media is um, having you know positive stories, and that is not hard to do in a town like Stamford. Mm. You know, there's so many people out there. If it's you know Stamford in Bloom, Stamford Litter Picker Group, just you know, there's just so many, and that's what really summarises Stamford for me. So, where can we find you? Well, you can find the Mercury in all good news agents every Friday, um, but also obviously online, um, stanfordmercury.co.uk. Um, we've got social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, um, which we're trying to grow a little bit. Um, and also, our offices are open if people want to drop in and say hi, which are down Cherry Holt Road um, next to. Next to Fusion, yeah. I was just trying to remember the name of the two. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and the final question, uh, what do you think we should know about? Um, well, hopefully people know about this already because we featured this on the front cover at the same time as you guys, but I think people should know about the new Netflix series, Sex Education, um, because George Robinson is in it. Um, I had never heard of sex education. There were some really interesting chats in the office when our 18-year-old apprentice was trying to explain to our news editor, who will not forgive me if I tell you how old she is on the <laughs> podcast, 
what sex education is and I can see why she's going a little bit red-faced having watched the second series. Um, so I started on series two just to see what George was like mm -hmm. um, in it and have gone back to watch series one because I was so impressed with it as a series. But also George, I mean, if you guys don't know his story, seriously, look it up. Um, he was injured in a rugby accident while he was at school and was left in a wheelchair and just his attitude to life is just something else really and he's gone on to star in this amazing amazing program yeah, have you guys seen it i have i think it's amazing I think it, it, it's, it's unanimous isn't it we're all like <laughs> mega fans <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what should we do what it is hilarious, <laughs> but the amount of serious topics it covers yeah and some in a very serious way and some in a comedic way but i think for me it's almost become i cite it so if we want to watch something but we don't know what it's like i want something like sex education so Makes you think and it's mm. thought provoking in that sense, but also you can have a laugh as well. Nobody's well I also like the way it's filmed because it's filmed as if it's like an American high school, mm. isn't it? It's filmed in South Wales, yeah. some building that used to be a museum or something, rather. And it's got that high school vibe to it. So they're all the guys, all the sports guys wear the varsity jackets and stuff. Yeah. And then the style of it is kind of like 70s. 80s mm. fashion so like some that. of the girls just look like they're wearing the from the 70s kind of thing and it's just it's just so open and it's quite it's a bit graphic so it's not you know yeah i don't know if i'd want my child watching it if they were i don't know it's about it's meant to be about 16 year olds isn't i know it? i think netflix are doing it a massive injustice as promoting it as a teen drama because i was kind of when i watched the second series i was literally watching it because we'd featured george and we'd done a lot of stories on him i was thinking this is really good why are you not promoting it at you know people my age mm. you know i'm in my 30s i'm not a teenager, and I think yeah. it, you know, it's everybody really can enjoy it? it. It's like the questioning of sexuality and yeah. all the rest of it, which is just hot topic <laughs> at the moment, wherever you are. Yeah, it's really funny as well. Yeah, it's really funny. It really, the, laugh, the, lead, yeah. the lead guy is just amazing. He was at the Baptist the other night. like, no, I'm going to make him. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't see, and you say about George, and we don't see the numbers for Netflix, they don't reveal them, but the, uh, the global coverage that has got. For him as well, I mean, yeah. the whole show, but for him as well to come from where he has to now being on one of Netflix's biggest programmes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's amazing for him and I, I only hope it leads to, you know, bigger and better things for him. He really deserves nothing but the best. Indeed. So, give Sex Education a watch. Uh, available yes. only on Netflix. Yeah. Um, so, now, what is on in the next two weeks in Stanford. Well, we've got lots of things on. Um, I think the first thing to touch on is obviously the Six Nations is on over the next few weeks. Um, so obviously your usual pubs will have it on, I assume. Um, but I saw the Toby Norris are showing every uh, game as are their sister pub in Bourne, which I now can't remember the name of. Smith's. That one, yep. <laughs> uh, and then same, so they've kind of got like a, a thing going around it, um, so obviously probably a good yeah. atmosphere. Um, same with Bertie Arms in Uffington, uh, which was just outside of town, um, and that's always a good pub to watch, uh, the sporting, I think. It's a nice setting as well, and yeah, I'm a, not far. 
regular and went to watch the cricket. Oh yes, very nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's always just a good yep. few weeks. Um, another one I saw was actually something that the Olive Branch in Clipsham are doing, which is Dine for Mind and Mindspace, which I thought deserved a mention because obviously we're here using Mindspace's space um, to yep. record here. So they're doing all throughout February. It's like a two-course meal um, for twelve pound fifty, and then. There's a donation at the end with an envelope, um, mm. you know, of what you'd like to donate to the charities. I just think that's a really nice, um, like, kind of dinner out, knowing you do some doing some good, mm. you get a nice meal. Obviously, the Olive Branch, I don't know if you've been, yeah. but it's lovely. Great restaurant. Um, and you get a really nice two-course meal for £12.50. I think it's great. And, yeah. Yeah, that's a bargain, isn't it? Very good. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's, like, no, not Friday to Sunday, other way around. Sunday to Friday throughout February, so definitely one to get down to. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Wildcats are uh, doing Ghost the musical which apparently is meant to be fantastic starting at the Art Centre this weekend so on Friday the 7th of February and the 8th of February um, so I mean if you love a good musical I love Ghost. I think um, so, <laughs> moving on. I mean, that might be good though. I hope they'll leave that scene out. Um, another, there's obviously always all the films on at the art centre, but um, the one that took my fancy this week was Jojo Rabbit. I've not actually seen it yet, but I'm booked to go see it. Um, yeah, that looks good. I'd like to go and see that. Some of nominations at things like the BAFTAs yeah. and stuff. Um, apparently, is really good. A bit of a different kind of war film. Um, yeah, it's a comedy. It's two, got so. Hitler in and it's a comedy, so yeah. that's quite an interesting <laughs> but, um, combo. They're also showing 1917, which yes. I'm definitely going to go and watch yeah. in the next week. I that, saw that the other day and I just I can't explain. It just sounds um, How good incredible. it was, the emotion that came out of me was not okay. There's I a just, local link right. to that film as well. Oh, is there? Yeah, the, one of the, it's not quite as exciting as somebody is the star of it, um, but the Bourne, a Bourne firm um, went down to where they filmed it, which was somewhere um, in the south of the country, and helped them dig the trenches out. So. Oh, wow. Because mm-hmm. cool. that swept fight. up at the BAFTAs, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they did yeah. really well. Um, so, so, yeah, that's on yeah. in a couple of weeks. And they've added an extra showing as well, because I think it's yeah, so pretty like much sold out. But in, at the end of February, um, they're doing that again. So, yeah, both of those, I think, uh, be good, good yeah. films to see. Um, and then my last thing to cover is Friday next week is obviously Valentine's Day. So, I don't know what people's opinions are, but there's a lot of Valentine's things going on around town. Um, so I think my favourite one is Willoughby's having an anti-Valentine's night out. So if you don't fancy a Valentine's night in with your other half or whoever, you can head to Willoughby's and go out if you want to. So to sell Valentine's Day, you've suggested going to an anti-Valentine's night. Well, yeah, that's how I'm starting with it, I'm selling it if you don't want to hear about Valentine's Day, then you can go Does to that. Does that mean there's just going to be lots of single teenagers Apparently, in Willoughby's? Yeah. How so is that different to any other Friday night? <laughs> <laughs> they said it was like anti-romance, anti-like... Cozy night in or something. So I was like, no, really? love songs. So just violence. But you never know. I thought it was it was quite a funny one. Um, the the walking tours. They've got a Valentine's Day walking tour happening on the sixteenth of February, which is the Sunday. Um, and then obviously you've got all your meals out, kind of restaurants doing their own thing. Um, just a couple I picked up on the Hoppy Dory doing a good looking one in the Crown. Uh, Cozy Club, they always normally do something. And then the Georgian Dragon in Seaton, which is more Rutland Way, they've got a menu on. And the Finch's Arms, which is in, on Hambleton, um, which is obviously a nice pub. Again, yeah, so lots pubs, of yeah. very like, kind of spread out places, but if you ever, if you are in need of somewhere to go on Valentine's Day, you guys can 
I honestly can't think of anything worse than going okay. to Vantage. You're just getting a blank look from everyone. Just like, yeah, it sounds absolutely Just going to like a restaurant uh, as a couple and then just sitting next to another couple and another it's couple like it's and another like couple. It's like early stages of a relationship thing to do, isn't it? Like, I'm staying in this year, I don't want to come out. <laughs> yeah. But I think all these events are quite cute and I think if it's like yeah. your first Valentine's Day with someone, I think maybe that's quite a cute thing to do. Yeah, I think maybe if it's the first time. My other mm. half said to me the other week, oh yeah, for Valentine's Day, I'm going on a stag night, so <laughs> that's, that's romantic. <laughs> you set it, you set it yeah. still yeah. up, though, isn't yeah. it? You've basically got the house to yourself. Yeah, so, so it's happy Valentine's Day for me. Yeah. Maybe ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Your face was pretty flat for all of that, though. Yeah, no Valentine's plans? No Valentine's plans. are just going to get plans. a mega pack of spaghetti Absolutely. and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> one strand at a time. <laughs> right on that note, I right, I can see. Yeah, that's what you're saying. People well, do. Okay, thank you for joining us <laughs> and being our first guest. Uh, this has been Stamford Podcast. Let's hit for Kerry. <laughs> <laughs>